Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Good morning and welcome again. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking at Revelation 21. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about the beauty of heaven. And before we do that, I want to just very quickly say that we do have a number of visitors with us. We always have visitors here. And for that, we're grateful. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. If you are looking for a church home, we invite you to consider the work here. I know that the elders meet with people from time to time particularly those who are interested in placing membership and they try to answer any questions they might have. And it might be that you have questions and we would invite you to sit down, talk with them, find a niche here in the work and become a part of this great congregation. Before I begin, I do wanna make an announcement and I think we have, I think Mike has a couple of screens we had a meeting this past Friday with Channel 5. As many of you know, we are running a series of ads on Fox 13. And we had as, well, let me just back up. I had someone approach me probably three months ago and asked me about doing an ad campaign on behalf of the church here. And this particular individual said that he would fund that campaign if we would do that. A couple of years ago, we did a similar campaign not associated with the church here, but it was really more of a generic thing in the city. And this, this brother said that it impressed him, he liked it, and so he thought it would be a good idea. And so I sent feelers out to Channel 5 and Channel 13, and Fox 13 responded very quickly. And so we made, we made a deal with them to do two months worth of advertisements, about 80 or so commercials, and they're really called bookend commercials. And they're 15 second commercials and you probably have seen those and they'll be concluding probably midway through the month of June and we are scheduled to do two new commercials and continue that ad campaign. Well, Channel 5 contacted me after Fox 13 did and Yvette spoke to them on numerous occasions and so we had the opportunity to meet with them this Friday morning. And they came in and made a PowerPoint presentation and I've got a couple of the slides here that I want you to see. And the reason I'm saying all of this is that we can do Channel 5 as well. But if we do Channel 5, it's gonna take money. And I've got a good friend of mine who is a member of the church. He's a very generous giver. As a matter of fact, he's given a lot to evangelism and to evangelistic causes. And he has said on more than one occasion, in order to evangelize, it takes one thing, it takes money, and it does. And so we can do this, but it's gonna take money. But I want you to look at the first screen or the second screen, I guess. <clears throat> they had done some statistical research, and the bottom line is, in the city of Memphis or in the Mid-South region, what, what their study bore out is somewhat startling to me. About 353,000 people attend worship services somewhere regularly in this city or in this area. 
That suggests that over a million people have no affiliation. Now we talk about the fields being white under harvest. Let me tell you what, there are a lot of people in this area that do not go anywhere. And that tells me that we have a tremendous opportunity to reach the lost. James said you have not because you ask not. What we want to do is create a situation in this area so that when people think of church, and I'm using the word church in a generic way, but when they think of the church, they think of Olive Branch, or they think about the Church of Christ, the Lord's Church. It's all about, and, and I hate to use this, this term, but it's all about brand recognition. People coming to understand that, hey, we are, we are somebody, we exist here. And so I think we have a tremendous opportunity. And there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people in this area, in this region that don't go anywhere. And so what we want to do is, is try to make an inroad with those people. The second thing that I want to share with you, they have, they have presented us with a deal where we could have 96 commercials, a little bit more than Fox 13, but it would be spread out over four months. The cost is about $9,900. It is $9,900, and then you have to add about $1,000 on for uh, the production end. So you're looking at about $11,000. And so, we can do this if you want to do it, but it takes money. And so if you're interested in seeing us pursue this other channel, then I want to encourage you to see me or see one of the elders, and uh, we, would love to have, we would love to have your input. Uh, I will also add this. We do a lot by way of radio. We have three radio programs or three radio stations right now that go into several million homes. We are on AM 560 every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. We are also on station KAAY out of Little Rock, Arkansas. And it covers the state of Arkansas every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. And it actually extends east of Memphis. We just signed a contract with WSM out of Nashville, which is the home of the Grand Ole Opry. That one station alone puts us in Tennessee, northern Alabama, northern Georgia, Kentucky, southern Indiana. I mean, we're talking about a lot of states. And so what, what we have to do is sow the seed. We have no control over what people do, but we can sow the seed. And I think about what Brother Lee Seeger's daddy said to me maybe a year or so ago. He was talking about his television program and he said, look, we're not trying to blanket the world. We're just trying to do our part in Mississippi. That's all we're trying to do is our part. Maybe we can't do it all, but we can do our part. And then I would also add on WSM, it's also available on the internet, so really it's global. People could listen to that program around the globe if they wanted to. So, all that being said, it's in our court. Question is, what do we want to do? All right, let's look at Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> Many years ago, Nancy Braden and I had the opportunity to take a guided tour of the White House. 
They do not give those tours anymore after 9-11. But that was quite a scene, to have the opportunity to go through the various rooms of the White House, to literally stand in awe of our forefathers and what they have done in this country because the White House really symbolizes America in many ways. It wasn't that long ago that we also had the opportunity to take a guided tour of Graceland. Things are never what they appear to be. And Graceland, I had in my mind it would look one way and you get into Graceland and it's completely different. It didn't really measure up to what I had anticipated. It may be the case that you have taken similar guided tours. Maybe you've been to the Biltmore over in North Carolina. Beautiful place. Really a stunning place. But to me, all of these places pale in comparison to that heavenly city. What I want us to do this, this morning is to take a guided tour of heaven. Because you see, when you look at the scriptures, you gain insight into this heavenly city and ultimately that's what we're striving for. We want to go to heaven. Sometimes we talk about being bound for the promised land. I hope and pray that all of us are bound for the promised land. I hope and pray that all of us are striving to one day enter that heavenly city. Well, having said that, look at Revelation chapter 21. As we look at Revelation chapter 21, the first thing that I want to call your attention to is the glorious place called heaven. And there are some things that maybe we would do well to think about in light of heaven. What about this heavenly city? First, let's talk about the source of this heavenly city. Who is the one that will ultimately make this place possible? Listen, if you would, to what John said in Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. John here says that heaven has as its source the Lord. In John chapter 14, when Jesus spent a considerable length of time talking to his apostles prior to his death on Calvary, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus here is saying that he is preparing an eternal abiding place for those of us who are his disciples. So the source of the heavenly city. But then what about the scenes, the sights of the heavenly city? You ever thought about what will heaven look like? I'm not sure that we can fully grasp the beauty of heaven. I said a moment ago, I've had the opportunity 
to go through the White House, and it was, it was something. I've had the opportunity to go through Graceland, and many of us have taken similar guided tours, and we have seen with our own eyes what these places look like. But I want you to, to just think about what's heaven going to look like? The sights, the scene, the scenery of heaven. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 10. John said, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. And then drop down, if you would, and look at verse 18. In verse 18, John said, and the construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. So, according to the Apostle John, this heavenly city is unlike anything we have ever seen. I would love sometime to have the opportunity to visit the big sky country, to go to Montana. I would like to go out and spend some time in the Rockies of Colorado. I've had the opportunity to stand at the bay in Carmel. I've had the opportunity to see the redwoods and they're beautiful. I would like to see the glaciers of Alaska. There are a lot of places that I've never been that I'd like to see. There are some places I've, that I've been, that I've seen, astounding. But can you imagine the sight of heaven to walk through that heavenly city, to see that beautiful city that God has prepared for us. I do not believe there's any way that you and I can fully comprehend what this city will look like. The Bible says down in verse 22, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb were its temple and the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine. For the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. When we think about the scenery, the sight of heaven, one of the great things is we're going to be in the presence of Almighty God. So we talk about the source of the heavenly city, the sight, the scenery of the heavenly city. But what about the size of this heavenly city? Now, geographically, we know the size of our nation. We look at other nations and we can geographically define an allotted piece of land. Listen, if you would, to what, to what John said. Verse 16, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall. 144 cubits, 
according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. I think really what, what John is saying is there is room enough for all. We live in a world today where we talk about an exploding population. Our, our world today houses some six plus billion souls. That's a lot of people. And yet, the Bible tells us heaven will be big enough to house all of us. I really don't care how big my place is in heaven. I just want a place. That's all I want. To just be able to go to that heavenly city, to spend eternity there, and to know that how many people make preparation for that heavenly city, they will have the opportunity to be in the presence of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit forevermore. To know there's a place for us that God has adequate room. Sometimes you'll go to a hotel. Sometimes that hotel will say vacancy. Sometimes it says no vacancy. When that, when that hotel sign is lighted, no vacancy, that means we're full. Well, that's not the case with heaven. Heaven has the capabilities of housing all of us. We can stand, we can, we can stand on that fact that God has room for us. There's another thing I want to share with you about this beautiful city, and that is the security of this heavenly city. We live in a nation today where, where we have a government. That government acts on our behalf. They are intended to protect our interest. We have law enforcement officials, some state, some local, some federal, we have military presence around the globe. Again, their intent to protect our interest. Those of us who are here today, we take certain security measures. We have locks on our doors, on our automobiles, on our valuable possessions. Why is that? Because we understand if we don't, there's a good possibility those things will be stolen. Listen, if you would, to what John said concerning this great city. Verse 25, its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. Now in ancient cities, typically they had a wall around the city. And then within that wall, there were city gates. Those gates would open and they would close. They would be closed in the evening, I would assume, for the purpose of protecting the inhabitants within that city. What, what John is saying here is the gates of the city will never be closed and the reason is because we are protected there. We are in the presence of Almighty God. We are safe and secure. We're home. We don't have to worry about being vandalized. We don't have to worry about being hurt in any form or fashion. Why? Because we are with the Lord. We're in this beautiful heavenly city. So, this glorious place called heaven. But now I want you to think with me in the second place about the glad people in heaven. Who's going to heaven? Well, the saints. Those of us who belong to the Lord. We have the assurance of going home and being with the Lord. That's why it's imperative for us to live in such a way so that one day we're ready for the coming of the Lord or for death. The Bible tells us that when we obey the gospel, we enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. 
One of the great spiritual blessings that we have is that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1 verse 2. So we live in possession of life eternal. We know that one day when we cross over into that next realm of existence, that we'll be with the Lord. What about the glad people in heaven? You ever wonder, why is it that people will be happy or glad in heaven? Let me give you some reasons. Number one, there will be no pain in the heavenly city. I want you to listen to what John said in verse four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. And there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Can you imagine living in an environment that is 100% pain-free? John said that God's gonna wipe away every tear from their eyes, no more crying, no more shedding tears. Furthermore, no more death. Death is associated with pain, isn't it? Well, John here is saying, look, in this heavenly city, you and I are never again going to have tears running down our face. Never again will we bury a loved one. Never again will we be confronted with our own mortality because the sting of death is over. It's gone. And then John said, in that heavenly city, there is no pain. Pain and heaven are not compatible. Many of us, we wake up in the morning and we hurt. We go to bed in the evening and we hurt. Throughout the day, we hurt. Why is that? Because we live in a world that is replete with suffering. We live in a world with all of the, the hurts and the ills, the trials and the tribulations. And yet, what John is saying is, look, in this heavenly city, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Go from room to room, place to place. I promise you one thing, you will never, ever see anyone crying. You'll never see any tears. You'll never see any death. You'll never see any sorrow. You'll never see any more pain. Now, that's, that's where I want to go. We talk about taking a tour through heaven. Can you imagine taking a tour of a city and everywhere you went, all you saw was happiness and joy. Can you imagine going from place to place, from room to room, and meeting people and seeing people and never seeing anyone hurting in any capacity, in any shape, form, or fashion? I hope we want to go to heaven. And then not only, not only is there no pain in heaven, no problems in heaven. I want to ask you this question today. What problems are you grappling with right now? Somebody says, I don't have any problems. You are a unique individual. If you don't have any problems in this world, then you're something. The fact of the matter is, we live in a world that is replete with problems. 
Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. What that says is we live in a world subjected, submerged in problems. You may have problems at home. You may have problems in your marriage. You may have problems on the job. You may have problems at school. You may have problems on the ball field. You may have health problems. The, the list goes on and on and on. But not so in heaven. No more problems. In heaven, we'll never have to worry about, never have to worry about another problem. Sometimes we worry about our friends, our family members. We concern ourselves over their circumstances, their lot in life. Sometimes we worry about the decisions they make, the consequences that follow them because of the decisions they make or have made. We worry about the well-being of our nation. We worry about this. We're filled with anxiety about that. And yet, the reason is because we live in a world of problem, of problems. And, and what John is saying is, look, when you get to heaven, it's problem-free. All of your problems have been solved. They're over with. They're done. They're gone. Can you imagine going to a place... If I, could, if I could point you in the direction of a city where never again you would have any more pain, you'd never again have, have any more problems. If I could say, if you go there, you can be assured you'll never deal with these things again. Wouldn't you want to go there? I don't know of a place like that here on earth, but I do know of a place like that beyond this veil of existence. It's called heaven. There's a third thing. No more pollutants in heaven. Typically, when we think about pollution, we, we automatically think about smog or air pollution or litter and debris, etc. Well, I would freely grant that in heaven, we're not going to have to worry about smog, we're not going to have to worry about air pollution. We're not going to have to worry about litter and debris and et cetera, et cetera. But there is another form of pollution that we don't have to worry about in heaven, moral pollution. Look at the state of our nation. Look at how things have changed over the last 20 years. How different our nation has become in a generation. We are on a sliding scale in this nation. We are spiraling out of control. I mentioned a moment ago that in this region, only 350,000 people attend some form of worship services. Brother Dio and I were talking before class this morning. And Dio said, and I think he's right, you want to know why our country is in trouble? Look at, look at how many people have no association with spiritual things. He's exactly right. We live in a world, we live in a nation that is morally polluted. The impurities of life. Listen, if you would, to what John said. Now, John is writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 he said, But the cowardly, unbelieving, 
abominable, murderers, sexually immoral or fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What John is saying is they're not going to be in heaven. You're not going to live beside unbelievers in heaven. You're not going to have liars down the street in heaven. You're not going to have fornicators on your block in heaven. You're not going to be living beside a murderer in heaven. Now look at verse 27. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. What John is saying is heaven is pollution free. Now it may be the case that in your neighborhood you have people that fit the moral impurities that John is describing in verse 8. That's not going to be the case in heaven. It may be that you have to lock your place down every night because you know there are thieves in your neighborhood. That's not the case in heaven. So, if I could show you a city that is immune to pain, to problems, and pollution, would you want to live there? I can't show you a place like that here on planet Earth, but I can show you a place like that described in the Bible. It's called heaven. There's a third thing I want you to see, and that is the grand promise of heaven. When we talk about heaven, we have to understand that what God says about heaven is true. There are two things that I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see the word of the Lord about heaven. Listen, if you would, in verse 5. In verse 5, here's what John records. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now look at verse 6. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There are a lot of people that question, was this God the Father speaking or Jesus Christ the Son? It could be either. I don't know as it really makes a difference. The point is, here is what the Lord said. And what the Lord said is, heaven is a reality. He said, behold, I make all things new. You and I can believe it because God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, they have placed their stamp of approval, their seal of approval on this place. So we talk about the word of the Lord, but then secondly, the words of the Lord. Now, pick up with me in verse 5 again. He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I want to ask you this question. How would you know about heaven without this book? You wouldn't know anything about it, would you? You may have a lot of textbook, textbooks in your home. You may have encyclopedias. 
You might have, you might have any number of good books, but the only book that I know that tells you anything about heaven is this book that we call the Bible. Now, there are books that have been written about heaven, but their source goes back to this book right here called the Bible. God's word tells us about heaven. You and I, we have the ability through the word of God to take a guided tour through heaven. I don't know of anybody that could read the scriptures and not want to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, I think when you take, when you take a guided tour through heaven, you walk away with the feeling, that's where I want to be. Not only is that where I want to be, that's where I want my loved ones to be. I want to go to heaven and I want you to go to heaven. And I want us, I want us to live in such a way so that one day we can be in heaven forevermore. In closing, let me ask this question. If the Lord allows this earth to stand, 150 years from now, everything that you're dealing with right now, what will that matter to you? The reality of it is it won't matter very much at all. In 150 years, if the Lord delays his coming, what we possess, it will long be gone. Our clothes, our homes, oh, our homes may, may stand if, if the weather and the erosion doesn't take too big a toil on them. In 150 years, our gravestone may or may not be present. Who knows? When you go out into the cemeteries around this area and you go back and look at, at gravestones over 100 years, some are pretty weathered. 150 years from now, the only thing that's going to matter to you is the well-being of your soul. Are you in the presence of Almighty God? Where you worked, what you did, what you ate, the clothes you wore, the car you drove, the home you lived in, all of that immaterial. What really matters is eternity. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. I want to encourage you to come to him who has the ability to give you an abundant life now and eternal life in the hereafter. Here's what you need to do. You need to believe Jesus to be the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Acts 2.38. Confess his name before others, Acts 8, verse 37. Be baptized into Christ so that every sin can be washed away, Acts 22.16. The Lord will add you to the church then, Acts 2.47. And if you live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, that heavenly home. If you're here today, maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you're not bound for the promised land. Why not come home? Let us pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.